1: You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy Id, along with Wes Reynolds and Matt Humans, a couple of guys from Deason, a couple of guys with Big Ten roots as we preview the Big Ten today. And of course, it's Ohio State and the rest of the field. Uh, Wes, how are you?
0: I'm well, Jimmy. How are you?
1: Doing good, Matty. Just uh, hooked up in Del Mar. How are you doing, buddy?
2: Back in Vegas and uh, ready for football season kicks off Thursday night.
1: Yes, indeed. It, and and this is sort of an issue with college football, but the lack of parity. And it is Ohio State in uh, everybody else uh, in the Big Ten. You talk about a, you know high resource program. They're in the they're in you know in contention every year, and like Alabama this year, they have an elite quarterback. Uh, as well as Utah played in that Rose Bowl. I mean, C.J. Stroud and Smith and Jigba, and then Henderson is back as well. They do bring in a new defensive coordinator and Jim Knowles in from Oklahoma State. But can you bet Ohio State to win it all uh, at a short price, Wes?
0: I think you probably can for the Big Ten. I would not lay the uh, the win total. I know there were some ten and a halves out there. And for our recent college football betting guide, we were asked to give a recommendation on every team we rode. So, I, of course, I would say the over at ten and a half because I'm like, there are not two losses on this schedule for Ohio State. But you were having to lay like minus 250, and I think that's a little pricey to lay on a win total because you're one C.J. Stroud injury away from that being a little bit in jeopardy, even though Ohio State has four and five stars all over the roster pretty much at every position. So I would rather them just go ahead and win the conference instead of betting them on a win
1: total. Matt, 11.5, but juice to the under, minus $2. It's a similar number that we've seen Alabama as well.
2: Yeah, and I bet the Alabama win total over. And uh, I laid 225 on that price, but that number was 10 and a half. I look at Alabama's schedule. That's a team that's going to be favored by at least 14 points in every game. 10 and 2 would be a massive disappointment for the Tide. I think 10 and 2 would be a pretty big disappointment for the Buckeyes as well. I think uh, over 10 and a half, lay the juice is an okay bet. Rarely do I recommend that. But the right number on these win totals for Bama and Ohio State is 11 and a half. And if if you're not afraid to lay the price, play over ten and a half, I think those are pretty good bets. I understand what Wes is saying about the quarterback injuries because that's always true when you bet a football future. Uh, What could go wrong? A quarterback injury. Uh, But in in the case of Alabama and Ohio State, I think those teams might even be strong enough to withstand an injury to Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud and still win 11 games.
1: And uh, also, uh, Wes, what do you think about that opener? against a Notre Dame that double digit line to start the season
0: well and it's getting bad even more I, I think the opener when I saw it for games of the year was somewhere like just mildly above double digits now you're seeing above two touchdowns I think it, I think it got hit yesterday actually here on Monday as we record on Tuesday it was 14 and a half and it got hit even a little bit more so you're probably going to see this end up close to 17 and 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 That's probably the right move. I don't know if I want to lay worst of what the opening number was necessarily, but I'm darn sure not going against Ohio State. I just think in your opener, getting Notre Dame into Columbus, these guys are going to be jacked up. They're a mission team because this is a team that I think was good enough to be a playoff team last year. But like you mentioned earlier, the changes on defense with Jim Knowles coming in, I think that's going to bear fruit here, especially early in the season. Ohio State... Couldn't outscore enough teams necessarily to get into the playoff. I think they can this year, and now they've got the defense to at least get some stops. So I think you're going to see a blowout in week one.
1: Matt, uh, some big picture thoughts before we get into these teams individually and their win totals and try and get a feel, not just for win totals, but maybe an anticipation of maybe who to back or fade before the, the the results come in and then their uh, point spread values are sort of established but big picture thought um a couple of coaches uh Tucker and Franklin use the LSU opening to really cash in I mean Tucker has one winning season boom he's making uh, all kinds of money and Franklin after 11 and 11 the last two seasons he cashes in as well and then of course the addition of UC UCLA and USC coming to the league <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's Big Ten's answer to Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. And uh, we'll see what the next move is going to be. But as far as handicapping this season, I wonder uh, who's the number two team in the Big Ten. If you power rank it right now, is it Penn State, is it Wisconsin, is it Michigan? Um, I need to see a little bit more before I'm a, a complete believer in the Wolverines. Uh, I do think right now you'd have to power rate Michigan number two. I think Penn State's got a shot to be that number two team. I'm not a James Franklin guy by any stretch. I think he can find ways to screw up games. But he might have the number two quarterback in the conference and Sean Clifford. If you think about last year, a Penn State team was a lot better than its 7-6 and six record. In fact, they had the lead on Iowa uh, in the second half when Clifford went down to injury. And if he doesn't go down to injury, Penn State probably wins that game in Iowa. It's going to be a totally different season. The next week, the Nittany Lions lost that nine-overtime game uh, to Illinois. 20-18 to 18 in nine overtimes. One of the most ridiculous games you'll ever, you'll ever see. Uh, but I think Penn State's got some potential. I'm not sure they have uh, the Micah Parsons or the LeVar Arrington type of guy on defense. It's going to be that big-time stud, that top 10 or 15 pick. Penn State's got a ton of talent because Franklin has recruited well. Uh, so I would say watch out for Penn State. In the East, by the way, the Nittany Lions could be favored in at least nine games, maybe ten. Right now, the Auburn game's floating around, pick 'em. But Penn State's going to be favored in a lot of games this season, so I would say don't count out that team. In the West, man, I know it's a cliche, but to me it looks wide open. And typically, Wisconsin's a team you're always going to slot in as the favorite. But I have a lot of questions about Graham Mertz, the quarterback. And uh, again, last year Mertz threw more picks, 11, than TD passes, 10. He hasn't proven anything at this point. Iowa won that uh, division last year. It was a three-way tie for second with Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Purdue. You throw Nebraska in that mix this year, uh, I really think you got five teams capable of winning the Big Ten uh, West, and none of those are elite type of teams. It's really Ohio State, Michigan, maybe Penn State, and everybody else.
1: You touched on a lot of things right there, Matt. Uh, but first of all, you talked about that Merck's 11 interceptions to 10 touchdowns. And that's when you are committed to the running game. The defense has to respect the running game. It is easier to uh, create some easy throwing opportunities when the defense has respect of the running game. But let's start start with Michigan. And West, kind of a, a breakthrough season, but Harbaugh going back to his roots became more of a a, a line of scrimmage team. And especially in that Ohio State game, they just blasted them between the tackles. Um, they do lose uh, their defensive coordinator. They lose a couple of uh, great rushers. 28 of their 36 sacks are gone to the NFL draft. Uh, like you guys mentioned, those, they should be favored in 11 of their 12 games. Are they mentally bruised from that Georgia whooping? And also, after a successful season, are what are they going to do with their quarterbacks? Are they actually going to play two quarterbacks this season?
0: Yeah, I think, Jimmy, they might be more mentally bruised on the fact that the head coach looked like he was looking for a way out and trying to leave, you know, with his walk off, I guess, you know, finally getting Michigan into the top five in the rankings. I think they're ranking a third. That was the highest they ever had since 1997. And he finally beat Ohio State and he gets in the college football playoffs. So Jim Harbaugh was able to say, hey, I left Michigan better than I found it. So, you know, you guys can't be mad at me if I go take this Vikings job, which he obviously wanted, but they did not want to give him that job. They did not offer him that job. So he saved a little face like, oh, I'm just going to go back to Michigan. We've got unfinished business here. But I think that those words kind of ring hollow. And the fact that not only do you have players that might be looking at, hey, do we have one coach or a coach rather with one foot out the door, but you also got new coordinators on both sides of the ball. Mike McDonald now goes to the Baltimore Ravens, a coach with Jim's brother, John. And then Jesse Minter comes in. Now, I don't think the scheme is going to change very much defensively. But offensively, Josh Gaddis, who won the Brawls Award last year, nation's top assistant, he now goes to Miami with Mario Cristobal. So you have new co-coordinators on offense. So I don't know if Michigan is going to be able to run the ball as well. I still think they'll be really good running the ball. But the fact that you lose a couple linemen and that was your identity. Now you have new coaches that want to, you know, kind of put their own spin on things. They still have two quarterbacks with uh, McCarthy, who I think is the more mobile and the stronger arm quarterback. But McNamara got most of the work really last year. So you get Ronnie Bell back also from that torn ACL. The thing about Michigan is they're going to start out probably 5-0 and going to Iowa, those home games. You know, I think I think it's uh, Colorado State is Hawaii one of
1: those Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah, none of those teams are really threats to them at Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor. But once you go to Iowa on October 3rd, 1st, I think that that's the real test for Michigan. And I do like their under a little bit here just because I think that they kind of played above their skis a little bit last year. And we don't want to put too much weight into last year because last year was totally unique in college football because you had a lot of these super seniors. And that's why you got a team like Cincinnati in the group of five that made the playoff, or even a Michigan, even though Michigan is a traditional power, but they certainly weren't expected to get that far. So now... This year, I think it becomes a little bit more true to form where it's kind of the chalky teams, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, even the Georgias with all their personnel losses. I think consensus, most people think they're going to be the top three and then fill in the blank for who is going to be number four.
1: Yeah, Michigan uh, under uh, nine and a half. Yeah, they'll have uh, three layups uh, non-conference. They're not challenged at all. Colorado State, a wide, UConn, all at home. Uh, then they host Maryland at home before that trip to Iowa City. And that is it. That's their toughest road game. Now, Ohio, at Ohio State, it's going to be awfully difficult. Revenge spot, yeah, the, a lot of those Ohio State players were on the field when they, uh, they rushed the field in Ann Arbor. And just the way they got physically whooped uh, in that game as well. But the other games, uh, the tough, ga- the tougher games are at home, Penn State and Michigan State uh, in Ann Arbor. So, we'll see about the bounce factor. For th- what do you all think about uh, – Matt, what do you think about the, the juggling of quarterbacks? It could – that interrupt uh, something after you know the the, the starter played pretty good doggone good for michigan last year
2: i don't really like the juggling of quarterbacks i think it was a negative for michigan last season when harbaugh did it so i'm not sold on that aspect now
1: <laughs> matt uh talk about uh, your purdue uh, boilermakers and um Kind of uh, with Jeff Brom winning nine games last year, beating Tennessee in the bowl game. Uh, quarterback uh, Arden O'Connell is back for his sixth year. Uh, a lot of starters are back as well. Their win total is uh, seven and a half. Expectations. Can this Purdue, uh, has, has Brom turned the corner or are they going to have some issues uh, dealing with some expectations this year? Keep in mind they knocked up Michigan State and Iowa out of the top five uh, last year.
2: Yeah, no question. Uh, Two of my best bets on college football win totals last year were uh, Purdue over five and Nebraska under. I can't recall exactly what that Nebraska number was, but it easily stayed under, and Purdue soared over that five. That was a buy low spot. I thought on Jeff Brom, who uh, frankly is uh, uh, a hell of a coach, and Purdue's lucky to have him. And uh, Brom's one of those guys when a really big job opens up in future years, he should be, he should get consideration. I mean, he should get considered for something the caliber of an LSU job. I really think the guy is that good. Uh, but anyway, seven and a half is a different set of expectations than last year's win total of five. And if you go back, West knows the history of Purdue and Indiana football too. They don't win eight games very often. Purdue's won eight games once in the last 12 years, and that was last year. Uh, so the win total is seven and a half, and even though the schedule sets up favorably, I think, for this team to win seven or eight games. I have to lean towards the seven and play this under. And I'll I'll say a couple of the sharper books out there have actually set Purdue's number at seven, while some other books have seven and a half. And I did play this under seven and a half. uh, Two of the best players on the team, the two best players on the team, George Karloftis and David Bell, are both gone to the NFL. Uh, Purdue's number two receiver is also gone behind David Bell. Aiden O'Connell is a six-year... A senior, like you said, but really his uh, third year getting a lot of uh, starts at quarterback. One negative is uh, I saw that last weekend he got married. And I think that could be a negative. It could be all downhill. (laughs) It's all over now. (laughs) That might be a fade. That might be a fade (laughs) sign for uh, O'Connell. But he's a very accurate passer. And that's why Jeff Brom actually picked him over Jack Plummer last year. And Plummer started the uh, first few games of the season, but O'Connell was so accurate that he won the job. Now, I do think the receiver position is probably the deepest personnel group that Purdue has, so I never want to make too much about uh, receiver defections, but those were two big-time receivers and Bell and Wright that Purdue's going to miss. I think the defense is going to be pretty good, and that's one thing Jeff Brom put an emphasis on two years ago. He said, we're not going to win games. Was our defense dramatically improves? We can't give up thirty points a game, and Purdue's defense did get a lot better. Uh, I still, when I look at this, uh, I still think that uh, seven wins is the most likely outcome uh, for this team. So I lean under seven and a half there, but uh, it's, it's got it's got a lot of potential here for uh, Jeff Brom to have another big year. But the thing is, when you look at the schedule too. Uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame, two of the teams Purdue lost to in that nine and four seasons, fell off the schedule. And uh, that's what makes it so favorable. So even though I lean under seven and a half, I still believe there is a, uh, there is room for, uh, there is a path for Purdue to go over that number and challenge for the Big Ten West title if that defense is good enough. So, uh, you know, the Big Ten West you got, like I said, you got five good teams there, no outstanding teams, and it's not going to surprise me anything that happens there. I think I'd be a little bit surprised if Nebraska wins the West, just based on Scott Frost's track record uh, in, in his four years. But it wouldn't surprise me if any of the other four teams at the top won that division.
1: Purdue's non-conference schedule is, uh, is pretty favorable as well. Indiana State, they do go to the Carrier Dome to play Syracuse and then Florida Atlantic. They will be favored in all three of those games you mentioned. Nebraska, Matt. Let's stay in the uh, in the West and talk about Scott Frost because he was a big catch for the Nebraska Cornhuskers when they hired him from Central Florida. But he is 0 for 4. uh, For he has not had a winning season at Lincoln, and still his win total is at eight. Non-conference, they'll play North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma. So, uh, that's uh, they throw in a tough one there. But uh, o- over-under is eight, Matt. I know that you've looked at uh, deep. Now, the big thing with them is that finally Martinez is done. And Martinez was a Tennessee commit when, when Frost got the job, and then he brought him over. He has taken every snap as long as he's been healthy. Thompson comes in for the University of Texas and also – Kid Offense Coordinator Mark Whipple who did a great job with Katata Narduzzi uh, trying to interfere with what he was doing. And Frost will give those play-calling responsibilities to Mark Whipple as well.
2: Yeah, the Corner Huskers scored more than 30 points in only two games last season. That's going to change. This offense is going to be a lot more explosive. Casey Thompson was a big-time get for Scott Frost. Ten starts for Texas last year. He had 24 TD passes. So I think... Uh, his addition, along with all the talent that Frost brought in through the transfer portal and recruiting, is going to really upgrade Nebraska. But with Bet Rivers setting this win total at eight, I think that's a shade high. I see a lot of seven and a halves out there, and I, I would have to play eight. I, you know, it's not going to surprise me if the Cornhuskers beat Oklahoma. That's one team I'm looking to uh, fade to, Is I think Oklahoma under nine and a half is a pretty good win total bet uh, to a team with a new quarterback and a new coach. And uh, I think the Sooner's got to be on upset alert when they go to Lincoln uh, for that game. But in the big picture, man, you think Nebraska is going to get to nine and three? I can't see it. I would have to play yeah. under eight because if you get eight, you still got to push. And like I said, a lot of a lot of books out there have seven and a half. So at eight, that would be, I think, uh, I would upgrade that to a best bet because I can't see Nebraska winning nine.
1: URG is pretty good to the under at minus 175, uh, but still, uh, yeah, like you said, when you put it, they're a lot closer to seven than they are to nine, uh, you know, with their yeah. track record. And you'd have to think this is it uh, for Frost. I mean, he can't go over five and not have a winning season and uh, still be uh, retained. He's 15 and 29 the, uh, the in four east years. And, uh, 15 I'm wins
2: sorry? in four years, Jimmy. What's that, Matt? He's got 15 wins in four years. And you're going to ask him to get nine this year? I don't think so.
1: No, no doubt. And even as distant of a major player, Wes, do you still think there's a little bit of brand bias when it comes to Nebraska that their lines, not just the win totals, but their lines from week to week are a little bit inflated because of their history?
0: You know what? There probably is, Jimmy, and especially when they're home. They still draw big crowds in Lincoln, despite the fact that the program has slipped. I was actually uh, talking with the guy, I had to do an interview last Friday with the guy there in Omaha, and we were talking Nebraska football, and I compared it a little bit to Indiana basketball because of the tradition, because of the expectations, and you know, what Trev Alberts, the AD there, is trying to do is he's trying to kind of co the entire family together and not have a bunch of different factions because he, of course, comes from the Tom Osborne era. Scott Frost was a star quarterback there. So the last thing that Alberts wants to do is let go of Scott Frost and let go of an alum and, you know, really even fracture the fan base even more. But, you know, there are portions of the Nebraska fan base that are, you know, they still want Tom Osborne in the triple option, just like with Indiana basketball. They still want Bob Knight in the motion offense of 1987 and 1988. And that's not necessarily going to happen. But I think what what, what Matt said was right about the offense, and it's how much is Scott Frost going to give Mark Whipple? Is he going to say, okay, man, it's your show? Because keep in mind, Scott Frost is an offensive guy and was an offensive coordinator, you know, UCF, Oregon at various stops. So he's got an ego too. So is he going to be willing to say, okay, Mark Whipple, you come in and run the show. I know what you did with Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh last year. This is your deal. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic, even though I think this team has potential. Like at seven and a half, I would lean over, but I'm with Matt on the under, I'd lean eight.
1: Yeah, and when you watch Alumni Hall on TV, the place is packed, you know, for Indiana basketball. They were playing Iowa last year at 3-8. and eight. There was not an empty seat uh, in Lincoln. I mean, they sell out their damn uh, – their spring game. So, mm-hmm. it's support. They have budget uh, as well. They just both have these long stretches where things are different uh, from what they were uh, a long time ago. Um, Matt, let's get to a, another um, win total that you have an interest in. Minnesota at seven and a half. P.J. Fleck, uh, 12 games over five hundred in the five years uh, at Minnesota. He has a six-year quarterback in Tanner Morgan. Now, the biggest offensive line in football last year, they lose uh, several of those guys. The offensive coordinator, Soraka, is back for his second stint, and some people think that will have a nice effect on Tanner Morgan. Banged up running backs last year. Ibrahim, we saw in the opener last year against Ohio State. He went out, so he is back. We'll see how he returns, how healthy he will be. As I mentioned, that offensive line loses a lot. Seven and a half. Uh, shaded to the under, minus 134, the Minnesota Gophers.
2: Yeah, I lean under. This is not going to be one of my uh, best bets. and I'm not going to actually uh, bet on it, but um, I had to make a, uh, I guess, an opinion for our v college football betting guide, and I went under a on Minnesota. Tanner Morgan in 2019 had 30 touchdown passes. Obviously, that offense had all sorts of problems last year with running backs going down to injury and uh, more. But Morgan threw only 10 TD passes last year with nine interceptions. Gophers scored 20, more, 20 or more points in eight of their nine conference games. They still had a, an effective offense, but without Mo Ibrahim. was a tough go he he, by the way he had 163 yards in that opener against Ohio State before he went down to the season-ending injury I think there's talent here on offense Uh, six starters back you also got six offense Uh, the defense was actually pretty good with some uh, NFL talent last year but uh, a couple of those guys are going to be missed Uh, let's see Minnesota ranked 19th in the nation in scoring defense last season I expect that defense to regress uh, I think PJ Fleck, like him or not, uh, has earned a lot of respect uh, for the you know the number of games he's won at Minnesota. That's not an easy job. He went 11 and 2 in 2019 and 9 and 4 last year and had a bowl win each of those seasons. Uh, he is 0 and 5 against Iowa, but he's also 4 and 1 against Purdue. I think uh, when you look at the schedule, you can certainly find a path to eight wins uh, for Minnesota, but. I still have to lean under. You know, Wes is talking about quarterback injuries and things that go wrong. I, when it went in doubt, I almost always lean under on these win totals because there are so many more things that can go wrong than can go right. And uh, like you saw, the injury bug uh, really hit the Gophers uh, last season. And if that happens, I don't think this team's going to be good enough to get eight wins um, in, a, in a Big Ten West where a lot of the games are going to be toss-up type of games.
1: Uh, It is. uh, Who knows uh, in the West? uh, And no doubt about that. I guess it's uh, Graham Mertz. We got to see about him because I mean, Wisconsin number one total defense again last year. Jim Leonard is outstanding. I mean, they have a true culture that they've. You know, they've maintained that Barry Alvarez started uh, years ago, but 11 interceptions to 10 TD uh, passes last year is inexcusable for a team that runs the ball uh, so effectively. want to get to one in the east uh, that you uh, like, West, and that's the Maryland Terrapins. Um, they have uh, recruited uh, pretty well uh, under Loxley. Uh, Baby Tua, that's right, Tua's a little brother. It has plenty of wide receiver weapons uh, this year. But their defense was really hurt by the transfer portal. Uh, Maybe a lot of shootouts. The win total at Bet Rivers is five and a half for the Terrapins.
0: Yeah, five and a half I would certainly uh, go over. I lean to the over at six in our betting guide. And, uh, you know... I'm not really high on Mike Loxley in terms of a game manager type of guy. I know Matt covered him a lot in the Mountain West when he was at New Mexico. Uh, You know, pretty much a disastrous term there in Albuquerque, but he has recruited very well at Maryland. And of the teams, if you kind of put a line of demarcation in the Big Ten East where you've got the Big Four, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and then the other three are Indiana, Maryland, and Rutgers, Maryland is the team that I think maybe can be that middle team that's competitive in the East because uh, you look, uh, they have little Tua. Talia Tagovailoa is back. And everybody remembers that game last year against Iowa. I think it was a Friday night game, which was a disaster where he threw five interceptions. Well, he only threw three over the last seven games, so the guy had a good season. I think maybe when you're looking at one game, it was really bad, and also the fact that he lost Dante Demas, uh, his receiver, due to an ACL injury in that game. So it was a little bit up and down the rest of the way for Maryland, but they had a big bowl win against Virginia Tech. I know it was kind of mail-it-in for Virginia Tech since they were looking for a new coach, but still beat them 54-10 to 10 in the pinstripe bowl that broke a six-year bulge out there in College Park. So, you know, Maryland, I think, at least has something to build on. And when you look at receivers, obviously Ohio State, number one uh, receiving core in the Big Ten. But Maryland, I think, with that duo is at least maybe in the top three or four. When you talk about Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas, these guys were both high four-star guys. And Maryland has recruited a lot of high four-star guys and even a couple five-star guys. Uh, in their class. So offensively, I think this team is, is going to be very good. They've got some depth at running back, even though they lose their leading rusher. Talia now is in his third year as a starter. Last year he set the single season record for passing yards, completions, completion percentage, passing touchdowns, 300-yard games, you name it. So this offense is going to be good. Now the defense, as you mentioned, a little bit of a work in progress because Kevin Steele was actually going to take that job as the defensive coordinator, and then Mario Cristobal gets a Miami job, and they give Kevin Steele a bunch of money, and he's now down at Coral Gables at the U. So Brian Williams, who actually called all the defense the last two games of the season gets promoted and you know I know you got to look at the competition it was just Rutgers and uh, Virginia Tech who had kind of mailed it in for the bowl game but they did hold those two teams to 16 and 10 points respectively so you know maybe there's something there I don't want to read too much into it with the two game sample size but Brian Williams gets promoted from a linebacker coach Uh, this Maryland team was 13th out of 14 in the Big Ten in scoring defense so it has to be better but they do have a little bit of depth in the secondary and, you know, common theme around college football. They have gone ahead and uh, looked through the transfer portal. But I just look at Maryland. I think offensively they're going to be in a lot of shootouts with a third-year starter at QB, a really good receiving core, probably one of the top three or four in the entire conference an experienced offensive line. The non-conference is a little bit manageable. Now, that trip to Charlotte could be a little tricky, but – they get SMU, SMU, that's gonna be a really high scoring game, by the way, <laughs> SMU in Maryland, late September with Rhett Lashley coming back and running that air raid up tempo thing he ran with Miami as the offensive coordinator. So look, I think six and six is absolutely doable. They do gotta go on the road to Michigan, Wisconsin, and Penn State, but they're better than the than the two other second tier teams in the East. They're better than Indiana. They're better than Rutgers, so those should be wins regardless of where they play. I think Maryland six and six probably the most likely result, so I'd go over five and a half.
1: All right, let me uh, throw a couple of that uh, I like in these win totals uh, first uh, with you, Matt, uh, in the uh, in the West, and that is the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, twenty four seasons at Iowa City, the most tenured coach in college football, and also has been extended through twenty twenty nine. Nothing changes here. Uh, a good disciplined defense, a limited offense, but eight or nine wins it seems every year. Uh, non-conference san diego state iowa state which they beat everywhere and they got them at home this year and it seems like iowa state's window has kind of closed uh with campbell uh nevada also uh they will lose at uh, iowa state but um man they've got their four they're favored in four games and then they got four more 50 50 games six year quarterback in petras 15 starters and seven and a half it seems just a tad low i like iowa over you agree matt
2: yeah, I don't doubt the Hawkeyes anymore because a lot of times you look at this, uh, or Kirk Ferentz team on paper, and you say, "Wow, well, I don't know how they're going to win nine games," and they win nine games. How about this? Uh, the last five years, Ferenc ten and four, six and two, ten and three, nine and four, eight and five. Um, an eight-win regular season is kind of a down season for him. Uh, I would have to go over if anything on the Hawkeyes. Like you said, you got South Dakota State. Nevada, Rutgers in September, you should pick up three wins in the first month of the season. And then as uh, Wes mentioned, that October 1st home game against Michigan is going to be a huge one. Uh, the schedule's not easy overall because Ohio State, Purdue, Minnesota are all road games. But uh, I think if Spencer Petras steps up a quarterback, and that could be a big if, uh, the defense will play its part. Hawkeyes always run the ball. They're physical on the offensive and defensive lines. It's a blue-collar type of team. Petrus is the key. If he can elevate his game, I think Iowa wins eight. So I I lean over uh, because I just uh, know how hard it is to make money betting the Hawkeyes under. They just don't go under, Jimmy.
1: It it, it seems that way, and I think that's a little – you know, eight, I'd have a different opinion because it just seems like eight or nine wins uh, every year. Uh, Back to the east, uh, west and one that you mentioned in – We'll go with the uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Um, and Shiano, he's been here before. Now this is not the Big East, and the Big e- the Big uh, the Big Ten East is certainly the tougher of the divisions. But three wins the first year, five wins last year, and I've seen him before. He's going <clears throat> to get them more and more competitive as he brings in his players. And um, I, I just um, you know a, a lot of starters back. Um, he does. Um, he, he knows the blueprint, as I talked about. Cross-divisional opponents uh, in the West, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. They lose Wisconsin. At BC is huge. Uh, that could be a swing game. They should, uh, they'll should they beat Wagner, should beat Temple on the road. And in Nebraska, Indiana at home and at Maryland are, are winnable. I know you like Maryland, but Rutgers at four. They went over four last year. And I, I know that is going to get better. They might not win as many games, but I like Rutgers over four.
0: Yeah, uh, I think four is probably the right number because I think the schedule and conference is really is really tough, and even if they don't eclipse the win total, I do think that Chiano at least has this going in the right direction a little bit. Now, that bowl game they reached last season was because they had a good APR, and they were that last-minute substitution in the Gator Bowl, and Wake Forest drummed them 38-10, to 10. but that APR, I think, indicates that he's building a good culture within the program, and I don't think that that should be scoffed at or necessarily Diminished. Uh, the offense regressed a little bit last year. They were 120th in scoring and total offense. But uh, looks like they may have found a young quarterback. Gavin Wimsad uh, is likely going to unseat Noah Vedral, who is the uh, transfer out of uh, Nebraska. So could be a platoon though under center. They moved the one kid, uh, Johnny Langan, to tight end, so they can maybe use him in some wildcat formations. Uh, they really had to hit the transfer portal to boost the offensive line. So that's always a little bit. Bit dangerous if you're having to rely too much on the transfer portal, but uh, the offensive line got a makeover. The receiving core gets a little bit of an upgrade in talent because Taj Harris. Comes in from Syracuse, Sean Ryan comes in from West Virginia. So, from a skill position standpoint, they're going to be a little bit better. And I think at quarterback, but on the offensive line, that's going to be a big work in progress that may show against better competition. Uh, new defensive coordinator, by the way, uh, uh, Joe Harisimak, if I'm pronouncing that right, he comes from Minnesota. Rutgers was rated 10th or worse in defense in the Big Ten in basically the four major categories. So they're trying to replenish uh, that front four. Uh, they lost a little bit at linebacker, lost their leading tackler to the NFL. So that's going to be, you know, trying to tie some things together. But the one thing about Rutgers, this is a team that is physical. And they have really, inst- you know, taken that identity from Greg Schiano all the way back when he was uh, in the Big East when he turned the Rutgers program around. You know, the old remember they had the old axe, chopping wood was like the cliche. Well, that's exactly what they do is that they're physical because they don't overwhelm you necessarily with talent, even though Sciano, I think has really upgraded the talent there at Rutgers and, you know, certainly more competitive. This isn't a team that I think is going to win a lot of games, but I don't think they're going to get blown out. They're probably going to be two and one Boston college. uh, I wouldn't say that's a non-winnable game, but they're going to be, uh, you know, at least a fair size underdog in game one. And then you get Iowa at home at Ohio state, Nebraska, and Indiana at home. So four seems about right uh i leaned to do the under just because i had to give an opinion thinking okay. that okay the offensive line is going to take a lot of time the defense is going to take a lot of time you know losing some guys uh they lost 96 starts combined in the nf to the nfl draft via linebacker, so that's going to take a while for them to replace but four seems about right to me
1: all right, uh, Matt, so you given giving uh, out Purdue under, Nebraska under, a uh, little bit of an opinion on Minnesota under. You also have an eye on Northwestern Illinois as we wrap things up.
2: Yeah, that uh, Nebraska under eight, so that's a good number to bet under, by the way, uh, up there at Bet Rivers. Uh, you know, I'm going to look at two of – I like to look at the bad teams and uh, bet them over low win totals if they're well-coached teams. and I, I think that's what you've got here with uh, Illinois and Northwestern. And nobody wants to hear me talk at length about these two teams. So I'll keep it brief. But uh, if you look at Illinois, Brett Bielema is a guy who knows how to win in the Big Ten. And uh, he builds a physical offensive line. And he's got a great running attack. In fact, I really like the uh, running back talent that the fighting line I have. The defense is going to be, I think, good enough. This, to me, this is one of the trickiest teams in the league uh, to predict. Uh, it's possible that the quarterback plays below average and this team's a bust. But if you get better quarterback play, there's a chance that uh, Illinois could really overachieve here. Look at the first third of the schedule. Wyoming, Indiana, West is cringing, uh, Virginia, and Chattanooga. I think a 4-0 starts with, <laughs> within reach for the Illini. And don't forget, this is a team last year was a 24-point underdog in that win at Penn State. Brett Beatloma Loma can pull an upset. Or two, and get this team to five wins, because when you're physical on the offensive line and you can run the ball as effectively as the Illini will, you're going to be able to pull a couple of surprises. So, I think Illinois getting to five wins is definitely a definite possibility. I lean over four and a half on that, and Northwestern with a total of four. I think Pat Fitzgerald is going to really struggle to have a bounce back year, uh, like he typically does. But the uh, the schedule actually sets up pretty well. How about this? The win total is four, and in September, the non-conference hoping games for uh, the Purple Cats are uh, Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami of Ohio. So you get the three wins in September, and you got a win total of four. got to like your chances. Now, the schedule gets considerably tougher in October. Illinois is there on the back end of it. Uh, I think four is probably the right win total for Northwestern. It takes a little bit of courage to bet over five, but it's not going to surprise me if Pat Fitz gets there. I lean over four uh, there. I, r- I really think uh, top to bottom the Big Ten West is solid. There's no really bad team. So, uh, those well-coached Fitzgerald teams at the bottom have a chance to go over those year. low win totals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Fitzgerald's 17th year. And, uh, heck, Bielema went four and five last year. Uh, In the league. And, I mean, he he is similar to Shiano in a spot where these guys are proven coaches. They're going to get their teams to respectability at uh, low-resource, low-expectation type of programs. Uh, Wes, you had Michigan under 9.5, Maryland over 5.5. Anything else that you like, win total-wise?
0: those were the two that i that i would bet a lot of them i kind of lean on uh you know there's a lot of like pushes here like you look at indiana at four wins uh this is a team that has nowhere to go but up if you look at the numbers they had uh I'll read them off just briefly. 123rd in scoring offense, 113th in rushing offense, 113th in passing offense, 124th in total offense. Uh, Nowhere to go but up, as I was saying. Connor Basilak does come in from Missouri to be the quarterback for this team. And Sean Shivers, who you've seen Jimmy often at Auburn, uh, he is now the new running back at Indiana. So I think... They've upgraded the personnel from that standpoint, but the offensive line was just so putrid last year. And, you know, not firing that offensive line coach actually cost them their running backs coach, Dylan McCullough, who goes up to Notre Dame and not just costing him the coach, but costing a couple really high four star recruits that are his sons. So the defense has got to get better, too. The defense gave up 20 points in that breakthrough season in 2020 33 last year so uh new defensive coordinator chad willed in from minnesota new offensive coordinator as well walt bell was the coach at umass it was the offensive coordinator at florida state so you know this is not necessarily a make or break season for tom allen but two and ten that was a big drop off last year i know they had injuries but uh I think 4 seems right, you know, maybe they can steal a game. Uh, the Illinois game as Matt mentioned talking about the Illini, that's going to be huge because that's the Big 10 opener in Bloomington, but Illinois has a game the week before that week 0 game and I think that could be an edge when you've hit a team with other pet pa- and other team in pads and Indiana hasn't, so you know, if Indiana can hold serve and win the first three games at home, then they're going to go over, but then the schedule gets a lot tougher going to Cincinnati and then going to Nebraska.
1: All right, uh, to surmise again, uh, Matt Eumanns uh, has Purdue and Nebraska unders. He likes over in Northwestern in Illinois. I've got uh, Rutgers in Iowa over four and seven and a half, and West has under Michigan and Mar- Michigan under nine and a half, Maryland over five and a half. For Wes Reynolds, Matt Eumans, I'm Jimmy Ott. This is Sports Better's Paradise, part of the Bet Rivers podcast network.